It is officially the last race before the summer break in the Formula One season. And we are back to talk Spa. It is the Belgium GP. And it's going to get very interesting this weekend. Uh, as we look at all things Formula One, my name is Kriya Ganga and welcome to F1 Track This. Joining me today is uh, Chop Sabuka, our famous South African race car driver and our nominated for a Content Creator of the Year Award, Matthew Kanai, how's it going? <laughs> Matt, just tell us quickly what you are nominated for, just so that everyone knows that we've got an amazing team here at F1 Track This. All right, so the DSTV Content Creator Awards, it's basically an award to put spotlight onto the best content creators in South Africa. So my category is automotive, so I've been nominated uh, and shortlisted for the top five best content creators for automotive in South Africa. If I win, I then take the crown of being South Africa's best automotive content creator. So a lot at stake. The judges are, you know, judging the content. So stuff like this on the podcast, everything that we put out. So it's not based on people's votes, but more or less on the quality of work that I do. So always happy to jump on and talk about F1, but always appreciate all the warm and kind wishes that you send my way. So thank you, Kriya. And hello, Chops. How are you, man? And good, good, good goings there, my brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate it a lot. No, I definitely think you're going to walk away with this one this year, Matt, because this is your second year that you've been nominated. So uh, we're holding thumbs for you. And uh, if it was a voting competition, I would say go out and vote for Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it home. Well, let's talk Formula One and let's talk the last race before the summer break. We're going to get into Belgium in just a little bit. Um, but I think there's a couple of things that we need to touch on before we get there. The first thing is the alternative tire allocation that they tried out last weekend uh, in the Hungarian Grand Prix. It was something new, something different. Essentially, what happens is everyone had to use hard tires for Q1, medium tires for Q2, and soft tires for Q3. And Matthew, we saw exactly how much impact that had on the qualifying and the times that people were putting in. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's changed a lot and it's upset a lot because rather than having teams having a free tyre choice for Saturday's hour-long session, um, they've been allocated, providing that the track is dry, certain tyres. And we've seen cars like the Red Bull being nerfed because they rely on specific tyre strategy for their car to work in conditions. And then we've seen vast upgrades and updates from the McLarens, which were terrible at tyre management, but now that these rules have sort of come into effect, we're seeing teams like them just really take advantage of that tyre allocation to really get more out of the car. So it's shaken things up, and a lot of people have been complaining, um, but it is, it is good to mention that if a session is wet, um, then drivers and teams will have a free tyre choice. So the tyre choice, or ATA as it's called, is only for dry session, but uh, it has shaken things up. A lot of teams are upset. But again, it's Formula One at it again to make the sport more exciting. And teams are not having it. But again, it's either adapt or die. But also we saw one of the biggest, let's say, I don't want to use the word complainers because he didn't really complain. He just kind of voiced his concerns. Uh, Chops was Lewis. And he came out really, you know, bashing ATA and bashing the fact that they're trying this out. And then he ended up on pole that weekend. Well, I suppose what happens with Lewis, if nothing is working his direction, he's got to put a spanner in the works. Little did he know that this would give him an advantage or give him a position where an opportunity to strike pole. And I'm sure when, 
when he struck pole, he probably wanted to swallow his words for complaining about the tower location. <laughs> but I suppose it is what it is. He needs to try and find a solution if their team is not working well or their car is not working well in this instant to find something that he could hold on to to try and bring the cars closer to where Red Bull is. And Red Bull is just no match for any other car on the grid at this present moment. No, I don't think there's anyone that's going to bring it to them for this season. But it was very interesting to see how those Mercedes really dialed in as soon as they started burning out uh, a bit of fuel, as soon as they started getting lighter. I mean, just watching Lewis and George for that matter, because George had to come back from all the way at the back of the grid. Um, it was really nice to see those Mercedes kind of dialing in, Chops. I think the dialing in part is quite great, but they've just got to find out how they can make that car dial in from the start to the end. Uh, with the lighter fuel load, everybody sort of dials in to where he's probably positioned in the grid. And it looks like we had actually thought that the Mercedes was not going to work on those one lap wonder qualifying times. But it, it really shocked us. It, I, I think part of that was contributory to the temperatures because the temperatures were quite high. So uh, they could build heat quite quickly into the tires. And it was surprising that they were on pole and, and it was also mind-boggling as well because we thought the Red Bull is untouchable in that space. To be interesting mm. to see the next country where they'll fit in. Let's talk about Red Bull because Matthew, and I kept this one for you specifically, they had <laughs> an amazing weekend in Hungary. Yes, okay, cool. Um, Sergio had a couple of issues with these little crash into the wall, really big crash into the wall. Um, yeah. Max didn't get pole, but they still walked away with their 12th consecutive win and a great showing from the team as a whole. It's incredible. I think it needs to be spoken about that this is an incredible achievement to get 12 consecutive wins from a team previously held by McLaren. Also, uh, oddly enough, win 44 for Max Verstappen, which uh, he obviously wants to change because 44 is a number <laughs> for someone else. But yeah, it's it's incredible that they were able to do this. And yeah, it's that car, that team, that combination. It, it, it's just, you know, if you see the pace of how they were on the weekend and how they've built that car, it, it, it's a phenomenal achievement. You know, controversy aside or hate aside for the team, you have to kind of take stock and say, look, what that team was able to achieve, even if you throw whatever their way, that's an incredible achievement just for any team and for McLaren to hold that record. You know, not even the untouchable Mercedes were dethroned. You know, they, they had this era from 2014 to 2021 and not even they could get to that level. So it just shows that Red Bull are just working on consistency uh, and it's working for them. So it, amazing achievement by the team. Uh, Max is just giving them the results they need. And also as a constructor, it just shows that, you know, for everything to work in unison, uh, it's quite a combination for that team just to, you know, come back and say, hey, look, you know, throw what you want our way. Um, we're just going to give you results and the results speak for themselves. One person, unfortunately, within the team that doesn't have that consistency up to scratch as of yet 
is Checo. Now, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about how, you know, his seat is probably in jeopardy. We don't know if it's going to be this season or next season. Um, but it, it's even being spoken about in the in the greater scheme of things in the world of Formula One, Chops. And Rolf Schumacher actually came out uh, saying to media that Checo's seat and his days at Red Bull are numbered. Indeed, it is. But one has to wonder, does Red Bull... Is Red Bull looking for a driver that could match Max Verstappen? Because, look, it's not a secret. If you get a guy like Lewis Hamilton into a Red Bull, they'll end up taking each other out. So isn't it fair that they just keep Checo and Checo plays second fiddle? Or is it because they would prefer changing him for another driver who's just going to finish second behind Max? I just think Max is very dominant in that team. And he's a force to be reckoned with. And it's going to be very difficult to come in and settle that team because the whole team is centered around Max, as it was in Mercedes. Mercedes was centered around Lewis. So it's quite a tough one. And, and unfortunately, Red Bull is known to be one of those ruthless teams on the grid. They could just ex him and bring probably your favorite guy, Danny Rick, in that place. <laughs> Let's be serious also. Um, if you have to look at it, I take us back a little while to um, Lewis and let's say Valtteri. That's probably the best um, comparison I can make. You need to have a second team driver that's going to support your main team driver. And Helmut Marco, as it's named here on my <laughs> screen, <laughs> Matthew, it's he's not doing that at the moment. He's not supporting Max at all. Look, I think it's also very unfair of us to throw such massive criticism. I think what we also forget is that Perez is also very consistent, just like Valtteri. And drivers are given equal opportunity to bring as much as they can to the table for the team before fighting each other for the championship. So for a lot of people to say he should leave and we should be replaced, the question then I pose is, who else do you get in that seat? Because no one, I think, on the grid could come and touch Max's superiority for that number one seat. Because again, like the, the Lewis and... Valtteri situation, they worked in pair quite well. Obviously, there was some tension and friction, but from a team point of view, you need a sort of balance. Obviously, he hasn't had the best couple of races. He hasn't had some consistency, but again, it's so much so under the microscope because he is from the number one team and he is the second driver. But if you look at his results and where he's climbed back up, I mean, starting quite far down and then ending P3, that's an amazing feat. And people will say that's up to the car. But again, it's <laughs> consistency. And that's what's given as well. I think the criticism is quite unfair because I'd again say we just spoke about 12 consecutive wins in a row. That wouldn't necessarily be possible without Sergio playing his part. Because part of that is Sergio helping to those consecutive wins. So yeah. it's, it's, a very, it's a very tough one. He is in a, in a predicament of having that pressure from the media. And obviously people are throwing a lot his way to say, you know, he should leave and he's going to crack and he should go. No, you know, his days are numbered. It's quite unfair. But uh, in terms of a Red Bull pairing, this is the best Red Bull pairing, you know, Red Bull I've had for years to come. Um, the personalities match very well. And if you slot a youngster like Leclerc, that's asking for trouble. If you add Norris to it, you know, team orders are going to be surveyed. So he's had a, a, a quite a few bad ones. But remember, it's only season break after this next race. So he still has a full half a season to prove himself. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, their focus is also on next year's car. 
So with Daniel Beck, it's more of an AT strategy and a marketing strategy and a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's got nothing to do with Sergio's seat being, you know, under threat. Sergio is a is a fantastic driver, and compared to any of the AT drivers, um, he's a little bit of a nose ahead of them. Agreed. I hear what you're saying, but you know, we all love when the media starts talking and the rumors start flying. And when it comes to Red Bull, unfortunately, most of the time the rumors are actually quite true. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're quite savage. Look, uh, to be honest, it's a high-performing, high-performance team. So everything is going to be scrutinized. Look, uh, to be honest, as a diehard Red Bull fan, Sergio hasn't been performing as well and giving the results the team needs. But, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's been bad for the team. So uh, mm-hmm. as a diehard and someone who lives, breathes and eats the team, I haven't seen enough of a bad performance for me to warrant to say, his seat is vulnerable to Daniel or to another junior driver. For me, it has to be as bad as a De Vries, for example, or a Nicholas Latifi for me to say, okay, well, compared for a constructor's point of view at the end of the year, he is detrimental to the team, so he is on the line. But, I mean, if every weekend he's gaining 10 paces and he's giving good enough performance for them and, and accurate data and feedback, he might have one or two mishaps. And let's be honest, the car... Um, has been nerfed by the tire changes and the car is built around Max. So he's still, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a car. I mean, chops would also know. So that car is built for Max's driving style, which is very understeer. He's late on the brake and he likes it to understeer and then turn in. Whereas if a driver's not used to that, where Sergio is very good at tire management, you know, it takes some time to get used to. And every time there's an upgrade that's brought, you know, it, it throws something his way. So he just has to be as consistent as possible because he does know his seats on the line, but, it's, it's not enough for me to say he sucks and he should be out. <laughs> He's still going to be there at least till the end of the season, probably. But uh, um, yeah. let's move to our next team that I'm very impressed with. Uh, and Chops, we were chatting about this last week and we were very uncertain whether or not McLaren was going to perform once again. And they did. We have another podium from Lando Norris and a very eventful one at it. And absolute great to see because, well, I mean, McLaren is one of those great teams that have been in Formula One for years. And to see this comeback is just phenomenal. It's, it's incredible. And it seems like whatever upgrades they've sort of dialed into the car have really come alive. And one can only hope and wonder that they could then continue this pace going forward because um, we assumed at some point in time that Alonso and Austin Martin were the good guys that were probably going to be finishing second in the championship or third. But it seems like they've just leapfrog uh, the Austin Martins by far and they are doing phenomenal for them to be three and two, two and three. You know, it's, it's, it's just great. It's unbelievable. And the fact that... Um... Lando Norris managed to break a $45,000 trophy um, on the podium. Let's be serious, guys. The trophy looks like something I could have gotten out of my grandmother's house. I'm going to go sell all her pots and all her things that look like it for $45,000. It's vintage, but it's, it's typical Lando. You know, Lando's up on the podium, definitely deserves it, but he does that silly thing I don't like where he bangs the champagne because he wants to spray on everyone. And as he did that, oh, well. And, and Cheeky Lando goes and posts on his Instagram about Hikagi, which is the art of Japan 
um, taking broken vases and fusing it together with gold. And I'm like, well, he, he's not serious. But then again, Lando's not a serious kid. And, and, and I like that about him. I just, you know, a trophy is a trophy at the end of the day. I think, you know, if I was Max, I'd keep the broken one. It looks cool. Yeah. You know what's going to happen in a couple of years time? Well, Let's rephrase that. In a couple of um, championships time, when we're talking about, you know, the year of Max Verstappen, uh, that trophy is going to sell for a hell of a lot more than $45,000. Yeah, big time. It'll fetch big money. Sounds like it by the look of things because, hey, it becomes a collector's item because there's an incident associated with it. Yeah. You know what's going to make it go up even more in value is if Landon Norris becomes a world champion. But that's still to come in many years' time. (laughs) (laughs) Let's... Let's talk about the Alpines. Had the worst performance out. Yes, okay, cool. They, there was a little bit of uh, an accident in the first lap, first corner with Joe Guan Yu. But then both Alpines just out of the race and had a really crappy weekend. They probably could have just packed it up on Friday already and decided to call the, you know, the weekend uh, it's. Supposedly, they didn't want to be despondent in this situation, but... They've, I think they've, they've done their best to do what they needed to do on the weekend. They were nowhere, and the incident obviously didn't help in many ways than one. But having said that, this, this, this tire compound obviously has probably caught a number of teams off guard, those that were less prepared. Because you could see the teams that are more prepared, they will always be running up front. Eh? But clearly... What remains to be seen is that this this idea of choosing these compounds and mixing them around is going to really work for the Alpine going forward. I mean, to say the least, it's the same for uh, the Austin Martin as well, because they themselves were also not there. So the list goes on. But it was a very crappy weekend for them. I hope they'll bounce back in the coming race and have understood from the data analysis of what has happened over the weekend. And try and dial themselves in again. I think I've kept the best for last because I want to talk about my Daniel Ricciardo. We spoke about him <laughs> in lengths last week, talking about you know the pressure that's on his shoulders. He really needs to show up and show what how he can perform. Um, and that's exactly what he did. I think he had, even though he may not have been way up there in the final counts, but he really performed and really showed what he can do in that Alpha Tauri. I just feel it would have been a bit unfair to compare Ricardo's time in Formula One against his teammate. We knew that Ricardo supposedly to be fast because of experience, the knowledge of the team, not so much of the knowledge of the car, but the experience goes a very long way. When the cars switched on, when the cars switched on in certain sections and certain sectors of, 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 of the track. But more importantly, what you can take away from the weekend is that he did what he needed to do, and that was to qualify in front of his teammate, beat his teammate, and not crash, and just bring the car home, which is great. All right, so now that we've covered all our bases when it comes to the Hungarian Grand Prix, let's look at the next one this weekend. Obviously, a lot of teams are going to be wanting to perform really well here in Belgium uh, before we take the summer break. Uh, and everyone gets to chill out for a little bit. And I think it's going to be quite an interesting race. One, because it's going to be not as hot as it was in Hungary. Two, it's a very different track. Um, I mean, when, when you look at Spa, everything is different in comparison to Hungary. And a lot of the teams had upgrades on the last maybe two races. And we're going to need to see how they perform going into this race. Chops. Oh, or let me actually go with Matthew here. Matthew. 
Belgium, Spa, it's always a great race. It is. Uh, it, it's a very, very important one, but also it's very, very fearsome. Um, it's one of the sport's most historic and loved tracks, but also corners like Eau Rouge, Radion, and then there's the Uber Fast, Puan and Blanchimont. Those are ones that it kind of just tickles the hairs of drivers because as of recent, we've had some tragedies uh, quite recently there. So a lot of the drivers obviously raising concerns for the high-speed nature of this track. Um, and also, there's also this the Saturday Sprint that brings back memories of, of the late Antoine Hubert. Um, so a lot of the drivers are going into this. Obviously, just they want to win and get as much points, but there's also this track that could have rain affected onto it. So Spa, for me, is it's a little bit of a spooky one because there's a lot that hangs over it, a lot of dark clouds. And there's also a ton of unpredictability. So it's a very fast pace. It's a, it's a rapid circuit. You can gain a lot of positions. But also, if you get it wrong, you're not only endangering yourself, but there's also the effect of other drivers behind you. So Spa is a tricky one. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I do love seeing it. But, you know, it, it's up to the, the, the management if they're going to change some of the corners. If they do, that does affect some of the racing. But a lot of teams are looking to capitalize before the summer break. Um, they're going to gather as much data as they can before they bring upgrades for the next half of the season. Red Bull are going to try go for number 13. So there's records to be made there. But also you've got teams like Alpine who have had double DNFs and that puts them two races of two points behind. And every point, as we know, adds up to something that can add to spending more and making your cars bigger. So it's a little bit of an up and down. Um, but looking forward to it nonetheless. But yeah, just hoping for really good weather and also really good driving. I know the fans want accidents and they want drama, but to be honest, as a, as a racing enthusiast, this is not something we want to see specifically at Spa. At this track. Chops, you've driven this track before. How, how intense is it? Like everyone talks about it being super intense and super dangerous. How crazy is it? I think everything is on the edge on that particular circuit because your, your concentration levels, because of the various corners, some are fast, some are slow, some require a lot of commitment. And sometimes, it, 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 and, and most of the time, it just keeps you alert. You can't, you can't drop a moment because it's a fast circuit and an, an accident there is very harsh. It's not a, so it never becomes a small one when you go off on the fast corners because the fast corners are normally flat in, in, in some cars and not some and not flat in so many cars. But but having said that, I mean, from a, from a Formula One point of view, this is a circuit that defines the best prepared car with the best prepared team, provided we don't get a mixed bag of pigeons where you've got, a, you've got the, the weather playing a role in who finishes where now because they came in early for wets, these came late for intermediates, so on and so forth. But on a dry circuit the car that's prepared well and has brought the right upgrades normally becomes the car that's going to dominate the rest of the season and that in a nutshell i think the red bull has got their stuff sorted if we could get a surprise where a red bull has got a misfire or something i think the mclaren will come with ease 
come and win the race. Okay. I think that's an, a really nice segue that you've created for us here, Chops, because I think we should go straight into predictions. Um, obviously, those Red Bulls are going to be quick. I think the McLarens are going to be quick again. Um, I'm not even going to bring up the red team. What's the red team again? I keep forgetting. Hmm. No one's going to remember because they're so far behind the line. They're actually fighting with the Alpines of the world and including horses. So until that embarrassment stops, I don't think they're worth mentioning until they actually sort their marriage issues. You know what was like, I know we've been hearing it in every single race, but team radio in the Ferraris in Hungary. <sighs> was the it's most pain. horrific thing I've ever heard when it comes to Formula One. What was good? Like, it, there was nothing, absolutely nothing happening there. It's, and and Chops, and Chops knows this as, as a racing driver. That team deserves to be anything above P5. But because of how they're handling their affairs and putting driver preferences and not knowing what the heck to do, I honestly feel they deserve to be in P7, P8, even lower, um, and to fight with the likes of Alex Al. Just think about this for anyone who's listening and for, for us talking about it. You've got Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. They're basically fighting with Lance Stroll and Alex Albon and Valtteri Bottas. Never in a million years for this season and last season would we actually say that. So I don't feel sorry for them. They're a world-class team. They've got the money. They just need to get their act together because... It's more than embarrassing. It's actually shameful what they're doing to themselves. Yeah, it's embarrassing indeed, Korea, to say the least. But I, I'm hoping they'll probably surprise us in this event. Probably they'll get their act together and someone at, at, at Ferrari will be using the right colorful language to make sure that people know their place and kick them into touch. And they should at least be in the podium for crying out loud. I mean, we, we never expected the McLaren to be in the podium. It just all oh, just shocked us. Twice in a row. Twice in a row. I mean, they were nowhere. But, but to say that, I mean, this is a circuit that's challenging on the driver, challenging on the car. Every single component of a car here is stretched to the maximum. Uh, so I, I don't think Ferrari have not produced a car that would be able to withhandle that or withstand that. But I think... It's just being pointed in the right direction and just saying to the boys, hang on, guys, you're going south now. Let's just stop the bus here and let's just reset and move forward. And I think Belgium is probably going to set, they're going to set that bar there. They're going to reset in Belgium. Oh, Chops, you're way too optimistic for me. I don't see that happening. <laughs> they're not winning in Belgium, if, what, if that's what you're talking about when you say I'm being optimistic. I just think they're finishing in the top five. Okay, top five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do let's do predictions, Matt. Let's start with you. Uh, well, this is going to be a, a mixed bag of pigeons, as Chop says, but um, I, I've got mine. So I'm going to start all the way in the back, just so I can I can bring that in. So I'm going to predict that Daniel Ricciardo will finish within the top eleven. I, I do think mm -hmm. he's going to bring that car there. Um, both of my clans will be in the top six. I'm hoping for a Red Bull double podium. But based on the performance, I'm going to do Max Verstappen for P1. I'm going to do a cheeky Landon Norris P2 and Lewis for P3. And Sergio P4, uh, George Russell P5, and then Piastri and the rest, collecting the rest. Oh. I, I know it's, it's, it's a little bit of an odd one, but I, I, Perez in the wet... Um, and with these new tire combos, I'm not sure. So I'm going to stick him in fourth and, and Lewis in third and Lander for second because 
we, we know what those McLarens are capable of, but also in the wet and at Spa, they've got a lot of speed. All right. Interesting. Chops, what's your prediction? Mm. Two Red Bulls, Max mm-hmm. Perez, Lando third, Lewis fourth. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm still a little bit worried about Checo, though. I'm a little bit concerned. Mm. He'll show us a thing or two in Belgium, believe me. Okay, the well, king you know what? Management. The king of tire management. And I think he's going to definitely need it this weekend. Um, but uh, this is the first and probably not the last time, but it's probably for now the last time I'm going to say this. <laughs> I agree with Matthew. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I'm going to also go uh, a Max for the win with a Lando for second and a Lewis for third. I think that's a good prediction. Matt is definitely on board because Matt's like, those are my prediction. I know I did. I said it first. I said it first. (laughs) Even looking at it, I think where the Mercs suffered in Hungary is Hungary was incredibly hot and the Mercs don't do well in the heat. So everyone was saying, what happened to Lewis? What happened to Lewis? They dropped back because the car was overheating spa. Generally with the weather and how it is, it's going to be a much more cooler track. So more forgiving on the Merc, and I think the Merc can pick up speed, where I think that's why I'm, took, I'm putting the two Mercedes-powered cars on the podium, because I think it might, it might be a challenge, and Sergio's going to have to fight for it. Um, but that's where it stands for me. I'm, I'm yet to see how the weekend unfolds. Okay. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure chatting to you. Um, enjoy the race this weekend. We're also going to be taking a little bit of a break, just like the guys in Formula One are, you know, summer break. Our winter, we're going to cuddle up on the couch. They're going to go partying in Ibiza. Um, But we're going to take a bit of a break. (laughs) And we'll see you guys um, before the next race after the spring break. Jens, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the race this weekend. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And uh, good luck to everyone's predictions. And thanks for always watching the number one F1 podcast in South Africa hosted by Kriya.